Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is brought to you by ROI Online. Most business leaders struggle with how to transition from traditional marketing into modern marketing. ROI Online has a team of experts that makes it easy. They help you make a plan, and then they do most of the work to set you up for success. ROI can guide you to success at ROIOnline.com. Today's guest is Reagan Wilcox. Now, Reagan and I go way back. You'll, you'll hear about that in the interview. Uh, she's a graphic designer by trade who just made the jump into entrepreneurship. Like, literally weeks ago, she made that jump. If, if you're listening to this in early January, it was actually last month that she opened her new business. So in the short life of this podcast so far, I've spoken to a number of guests who are deep into their careers or who have reached a certain degree of success. Reagan is just getting started, and she's bringing a new idea to Amarillo, and I thought it would be interesting to talk to her about it. So here's Reagan Wilcox. Reagan Wilcox, thank you for being on Hey Amarillo. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I, I want to talk about Union Hall um, a little bit later, but first I want to talk just about sort of your career up to this point, how you got started doing what you do and how you ended up in Amarillo in the first place. So go well, back to the beginning. Where did right. well, you start? I ended up in Amarillo because I was born here, Okay. so not a lot of choice in that. Um, but So I grew up here with your sister, Micah. I actually grew up at Paramount in Austin, Tascosa with her. Then I met my husband in college at WT, just like most kids that grew up here dreamed of you know spreading our wings and getting out of here as soon as we could so as soon as we graduated um, we moved to San Diego and I had dreams of being a famous designer with this ocean view office in some really cool advertising agency and that did not happen Um, I didn't know anybody out there I didn't have any experience but we had a lot of fun (laughs) we were really poor too when we lived there so after about two years, we packed up and, and came back to Amarillo, for better or for worse. Why do you think it didn't happen in San Diego? I mean, it was... Uh, I just had unrealistic expectations. I didn't have any experience. I didn't know anybody in the industry. I hadn't built up my portfolio. It's just, I mean, it's hard to get a first job in a city where you know people and you have ties to. um, But then you go to a big city like San Diego where they've got students coming out of schools, you know, major universities that have interned and and grown up there. And so I couldn't even get a foot in the door most places. So. And you had a a graphic design degree. Correct. From WT. Uh Uh-huh. And then, so you came back here. Um, What happened after that? Well, I worked at the Globe News for a minute because when I came back, I just needed a job and uh, design jobs in Amarillo are pretty few and far between. So uh, they hired me, and I worked there for less than a year, and then I got a call from Paul Ortega at Sanveo Trafton, and I think I just missed working with you there. I actually interviewed you. You remember that? I do remember okay. that, yeah. You were one of, uh, just let everybody you know behind the door for a little bit. I was directing the creative agency there and interviewed you. I liked your stuff. I remember thinking, okay, she really knows what she's doing, because you interview a lot of people, you know, and a lot of times it's people from Emerald College or WT and they're students and they don't really have enough in their portfolio. Yeah. Or you can tell they're just getting started. Uh, I remember your your designs were really, really good, but I happened to interview somebody else at the same time who had been working for several years. And she just had a whole lot more, you know, a lot more experience. And so I hired her and like I left 
couple years later and you were the first person that, that Paul that hired. hired. Yeah. yeah. So I, I remember Paul said that he hired you. I was like, yep, that sounds that about sense. right. Well, like when I got that job, like I said, there's not a lot of design jobs in Amarillo. And so I thought like, this is it. Like when I moved back from San Diego and I was looking at my possibilities, you know, there was only a handful. And so when Paul called me and I got that job, like I thought, this is it. This is where I'm going to be. Um, and it was a great experience. And Paul and Russ there learned a lot from, but, a, you know, it was a clock in and clock out. And actually, like a week before I started there, I found out I was pregnant. And so I had the baby and that clock in at nine and leave it, you know, five or six was not very conducive to being the mom that I wanted to be. So I got a call from Hillside Christian Church to do some freelance design. And the project that I worked on went over so well that they just asked me to come on staff. Like that was not my goal in college. Like I'm going to work for a church and do design. But it allowed me to be a mom and be a professional. Um, They were very flexible with my schedule. So I had another child and I was able to go to class parties and stay home when they were sick and that kind of stuff. So I ended up staying for 10 years, and it was it was a good time, and it's what my family needed at that point. We we both have pretty similar backgrounds in that regard, in that we started as designers at Sinveo. Um, it was called Trafton when I started there. And then we left there to work, you know, in a, a nonprofit environment, a church environment. Uh, and they're, they're very different places. I, yeah. I've told people that the heavy, fast-paced production environment at Sinveo prepared me to be able to do anything. You know, <laughs> working for multiple clients, multiple projects, a lot of yeah. we need this tomorrow kinds of stuff. And then you start working at a church, and it's like you can finally take a deep breath, and you know it. But but then yeah. it starts and, to build and, up at until, the church, you know, until and that church opens, you know, exactly. multiple campuses, and you suddenly are are overwhelmed, and they start having to hire other people. And that's that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. That um, did you experience that, you know, because Hillside grew right. so fast within the ten years that you were there. Yeah, when I was when I started, I was the only designer. Um, there was a girl that proofed and edited, you know, some screens and stuff like that. But I was basically the department with so many campuses opening up and it just growing so much, they had to hire other people. Um, and so now there's a whole team that puts out phenomenal work. And, you know, people think, well, what do you do at a church? Do you do their bulletin? It's really hard to get it through people's head that haven't been to a church like Hillside, what a designer would do for a church, but there's plenty of work. Right. So so walk me through some of that. What are what are some of the things that, you know, you, you end up having to design or produce on a, a weekly basis? Yeah, it's I've been really fortunate because there yes, it's a church and it's one church, but within that church there's student stuff, which has a whole different style than, you know, groups or uh, you know, a logo for another campus. But they really have allowed us to think outside the box and work on some really cool stuff and set up big shoots and video shoots and photo shoots. And um, so on a weekly basis, there's the message series graphics that, you know, every four to six weeks change. And that would probably be the big thing and, and the mailer that goes along with that sometimes. But every week there's dozens of screens that another designer does for every single campus and logos and t-shirts and postcards and banners and oh gosh there's just there's so much but not a bulletin how much how much freedom did you have as a designer to sort of pursue i guess your your own sort of uh your own preferences and stuff like that did you feel like you got to create what you liked for the church or were did you figure out all right this is what 
pastors like, or this is what the people like, and I've got to go that direction. When I started, there was not a cohesive look for them. So I quickly kind of tried to wrangle that all up. And so the look of Hillside, because I was the only designer at the time, was kind of, you know, developed by me. Um, And so, yeah, some of it that is my personal preference, but some of it is me knowing my client, which was Hillside, and knowing their members and their staff and ultimately my boss, what he would like and approve. I can't just do whatever I want. Um, I've got to work for the client. So. But definitely it has a feel, and it's a feel that's, that you sort of put it in does. place from the and very beginning. Working in a church, you do get a little bit isolated as far as the overall design community. So it was really up to me and my team to stay current on what's trendy and look at magazines. And, and I mean, if you pay attention to it, it's everywhere you go. Um, in Amarillo, that tends to not be great. So you've got to look elsewhere. There are some me. signs in Amarillo that you wouldn't <laughs> recommend to people as yeah, most of them, but iconic design. Yeah, or you've got like to that. stay current on trends or your designs are going to start looking old. Tell me about going from an agency sort of environment where you are working for a variety of clients, a variety of styles and industries, even logos and colors, to a single client. Granted, one that has a, a lot of different areas yeah. that you're designing for. Was it a big change or was it a welcome change? I think the biggest change for me going from Trafton to Hillside was At Trafton, I was kind of the low man on the totem pole, and I had the least experience, and so everything I did had to be approved through Paul and Russ, and, you know, I I looked up to them so much because they they had just done it longer, and so when I branched out, it was just me, and I didn't have anybody to bounce ideas off or anybody to tell me. I mean, I had my boss, but nobody to really brainstorm creative ideas or somebody that could say, and try a different color or different font or different, you know, that was difficult for me was just being my own department at that point. I don't think I ever felt completely boxed in having one client because of the variety of different ministries that I served, you know, kids and students and adults. And they really allowed me the time to to do stuff and work on projects in a way that I wouldn't have been able to at Trafton. I would have had to pick a stock photo just for time and cost versus at Hillside, you know, I could kind of experiment and do my own photo shoots and stuff like that. Are there certain challenges uh, in working as a designer for a church? I mean, do you run into, I, I guess, people who don't understand, you know, what it means to create a logo or why this needs to look a certain way? I mean, is, is that something that, uh, that you've run into? Well, the church is kind of in a tricky spot because, you know, they, they don't want to be of the world they want to be different, you know, and stand out. But in order to attract people in the community, you have to stay current on what is popular to them and what attracts people right now out in the world. And it can't always be sunbeams bursting through clouds with with a pretty script. Um, You've got to go to teenagers and meet them where they are and what, what they currently like. And so it's a tricky situation. You, you don't want to be of the world, but you kind of have to design that way. So that was uh, that was sort of a 10-year journey that you were on staff at Hillside and working mm-hmm. on that. Now you're, you're doing something new. So tell me about that. If you would have asked me in college, what do you want to do with your degree? I knew that ultimately I wanted to do my own thing. I just never knew how to do it or what that thing specifically was. I always, I guess I assumed it would be an ad agency or marketing or something like that. But with Amarillo's size and 
I didn't think it could another marketing agency was needed or profitable. So um, it's a it's a pretty small community it is. of and advertising agencies. It is, and the the businesses that are here still struggle to see the benefit of that. Like they think, oh, I've got print shop, so I can just do it myself. Um, so design isn't really highly valued thing here. And probably all the designers have worked with each other at some point. And so you have yeah. a whole lot of bleed over stylistically. Right. Everybody kind of knows everybody and there's just not that many jobs available here in that field. So, um, but I knew that I wanted to do something on my own and I knew working at Hillside was great for my family and for me at the time, but I also knew that there wasn't anything else I could do there. Um, and I still have a lot of years before retirement. And so I thought, well, this isn't going to lead anywhere else really at Hillside. So I need to figure out what the rest of my life looks like. And it was a, a meeting with a lady at the WT Enterprise Center. And she, in an offhand comment, she said something about a co-working space. And she wasn't saying like, you should start one. You should, I don't even know what the sentence was, but she said it. And for some reason, that word just set off fireworks in my head. And like, I don't even remember what the rest of the meeting was about because I just that word, I just started thinking about it. And I went home and I started researching because I vaguely knew what it was, but I started researching and looking up spaces in bigger cities and it just captured my attention. And so for about three days, I thought about it and looked it up and researched. And finally I told my husband, I was like, you're gonna think this is weird because you've never heard me talk about this before, but this is something that has really just lit me on fire. And so I told him, and I said, I think this is what I want to pursue. I can still do, I can still do design, and I can have my own business and fill a need that I think Airmail has. For people who don't know what a co-working space is, describe that for them. A co-working space is a place where people from all different fields can work together on completely different things or similar things, and you can do it side by side, supporting each other, talking to each other, collaborating with each other. It's it's sort of like a gym membership where everybody's there with different goals and working on different things, but you're doing it as a community and kind of in a space together. Um, so sometimes that means you don't talk to the person on the machine next to you, but sometimes that means they spot you or, you know, and, and everybody's trying to to get to their ultimate goal. And um, it just gives you a community to do that together. And so I've, I've talked to a number of people who are in creative businesses, um, usually self-employed, whether it's a writer or a designer who works at home or a photographer who edits photos and you know they'll go to a coffee shop and sit there and use mm-hmm. Wi-Fi and write all day, or uh, they'll edit photos at, you know, at Roasters or Palace right. or something like that. Um, and, and what I hear from a lot of them is that, yeah, I, I started doing this on my own, and now I just feel like I'm by myself all day. Right. I don't have anybody to say, what do you think about this logo? Or yeah. what do you think about you know, the coloring in this, this photo I took? Yeah. Those are, those are the kinds of people who are ideal for exactly. something like this. Um, anybody that, wor- that works remotely or can work remotely from a laptop or a desktop, yeah, both of those things are great. You can work from home, and that has its advantages. You don't have to get dressed for the day if you don't want to. But That's also, why I work at home. <laughs> he's dressed today. So I am dressed today, but I had to that. leave my house to do this interview. So. Um, but it comes with disadvantages, too. When I try to work from home, there's always laundry or kids or, you know, a thousand other things I could be doing. Um, and likewise, like at a coffee shop or a public space, yes, there's people around you, but the table next to you could be talking about the party they're throwing next weekend, and which is a bit distracting when you're trying to accomplish something. And so there's people around you, 
but every day it's different people. And so you don't really get to know many of them. I mean, you, I don't think you would really call them your community or your friends because it's, it's always changing. So both of those, you know, working from home or public space has its disadvantages. And so you, uh, you rented a space, uh, did a little bit of remodeling to it. It's, it's now called Union Hall. The Union Hall Workspace. Union Hall Workspace. And so what you have, and, and this is where we're recording right now, is is at the workspace. And so we've got a, a few people who are out at desks. Um, they're talking to each other, but they're all working on their own things. They're yep. self-employed or they're contract workers for other businesses. Right. So they're working in proximity on their own, but you've still got a little bit of a community feel. Yeah, there's a, currently I've got a, a travel agent. I've got another graphic designer, and I've got a guy that works um, in the tech field, marketing for a for a company out of Denver, actually. But he obviously does it, you know, remotely from here. A lot of different fields and and stuff. But yeah, we're all here, you know, knocking projects out together and talking. And I, I know some people who decided to work at home and and do whatever they did if they could work remotely for another company and just drove them crazy because they were so isolated. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, they were so easily distracted. If mm-hmm. nobody was saying, hey, sit at your computer and do stuff, then they found themselves, you know, watching okay. Netflix right. way too long or you know, sleeping too late. And so um, there, there's a little bit more of a, a feel of having a workplace, of having a, you know, a place where you go and you sit down and this is where yeah. I do work. It's, I mean, nobody's watching Netflix out, outside I, this I don't conference think they room. Are. I don't think they are. Um, yeah, working from home, it, it can tend to bleed over. You don't have definitive hours. And so when you have a space like this, you can have more of a balance between your work life and your home life and and they don't overlap as much um, and so that works really well for some people because they're not fitting in work throughout their day you know they they come they get it done and then they get to go home it's not like they're employed and they have to stay here all day they can come knock out whatever they need to do for that day and then they go home and have that freedom still tell me about you know having worked for employers, you mm-hmm. know, whether it was a for-profit company like Sinveo or a nonprofit like a church, and then stepping away and becoming your own entrepreneur. I mean, what's what's that been like? Um, it's terrifying. Um, I feel like Hillside, like I felt like I jumped out of a, a perfectly safe plane. Um, I didn't know how to run a business necessarily. Um, I was a graphic designer and I knew how to do that. And so it's been a huge learning curve. Um, I'm part of a nationwide consultant group where there's five or six of us from the West Coast to the East Coast that there's a a leader of the Global Coworking Association. She helps us each through one year. And we have monthly phone calls and we have a, a group where we can chat and ask questions and share resources. So that has been really beneficial. Um, there's actually two girls in Clovis, New Mexico that opened a co-working space for military spouses um, because they're always moving city to city. So they don't want to sign a long-term lease for offices. And so that space really works well there. And that's that's sort of what makes this or what makes co-working good is that if, if you are somebody who is going to be self-employed, you don't necessarily have to go out, get your own office in some office yeah, complex, no sign overhead. a long lease, yeah, pay the overhead. I mean, you've you've got a ton of flexibility in the different right. packages that you offer for people. Right, and you can quit at any time if you if you want to. So you're not locked into five years of paying for something you don't want to use anymore. What has been? Uh, I I know we're at you know the first of the year, uh, early in 2018. We 
uh, you know, just kind of barely getting past the holiday season. But what kind of response have you gotten since you opened, which was just a few weeks ago? Right. It was uh, the beginning of December, and then we were closed for the holidays. But um, December was was slow, but I expected it to be because the the type of freedom that allows somebody to work from a space like this also allows that freedom to not work as much in December. Also, budgets are gone for a lot of freelancers by that time. So I knew December was going to be slow, but it was it was very steady. Um, I constantly had people emailing me, coming in, looking at the space, stopping by, just asking questions. So there was a steady stream of interest, um, and I ended up with a handful of memberships by the end of it. Um, and a lot of people saying that they were really interested to come back after the first of the year and, and really kick off their new year working a different way. Do you uh, Have you partnered with any coffee shops or anything like that to, to make sure that they're not missing out on the coffee they used uh, to have all day long when they're right. working? Um, yeah, I've, I uh, am friends with the owners of Palace and um, like their product. And so they came in and set up a machine for me and taught me how to grind the beans and brew um, their coffee to their specifications. So I've got palace coffee that I brew every day and all the stuff you need to go with it. I've got, you know, a basic kitchen with a fridge and water and just, you know, just a small kitchenette where people can bring in food or all their needs are, are being met. What's what's the creative environment like here? I mean, as, as somebody who has worked in multiple creative environments, is this a, a different one? Do you have a different feel from other places? Well, I think what is confusing to a lot of people about what a co-working space looks like is they think, you know, it's going to have cubicles and, you know, drop ceiling and fluorescent lights. And that is totally not what I wanted. Um, it's a very cool space here. Thank you. Um, I, I want it to be a place that feels like a coffee shop. You know, you come in and it's got its own personality and it's that doesn't include cubicles and, and acoustic tile ceilings. It's somewhere comfortable that, you know, has its own style and makes you want to be here. You you mentioned that uh, you were in San Diego and just didn't really feel like it was going anywhere. And you you came back to Amarillo and you know after more than a decade, um, you know you've been able to to end up here. Is is there something about I guess the Amarillo environment, the Amarillo people or culture that that you feel you're better suited to than than being out there? I mean, what what do you attribute what you've been able to do to to living here in Amarillo? I really love big cities, and I love living in San Diego, and I love visiting big cities um, because of the energy and the acceptance of new ideas that they have. Um, and so I don't think I lost that when I moved back from San Diego. It took me a while to get here, but you know, I, I, I always want Amarillo to adopt the good ideas that the big cities have. I don't think that we need to adopt every idea that comes with a big city, but like co-working, it started on, on the East and the West Coast in places like New York and L.A., and slowly those things trickled to the middle of the United States, and that's kind of what has happened with co-working and craft coffee shops and craft beer and food and, you know, all of those ideas that Amarillo is just now catching on to started about 10 years in bigger cities, and um, I'm thankful that Amarillo has the type of community that eventually embraces those things. The presenting sponsor of this episode is ROI Online, an internet marketing agency. Now, I'm a writer, so I know how challenging it can be to come up with a good story that sells. Now, I can't imagine how hard that must be, though, for a business owner or a marketing director who has a million other things to do. 
What's so cool about ROI Online, the reason I like them is that they are more than just a marketing agency. They're more than a business consultant. What they do is they help businesses tell their story. They're your partner. They're your teammates. In a lot of ways, they're the ghostwriter for a business. They do the heavy lifting behind the scenes, but you and your business get all the credit. In addition to helping businesses succeed by shaping their marketing, ROI also influences your company culture. So if you drop by for a chat, you meet them for a happy hour, you'll discover their culture is contagious. You can follow them on Instagram or Facebook. Learn more by checking them out at ROIOnline.com. ROI Online, leading the modern marketing movement. Okay, I'm back with Reagan Wilcox of the Union Hall Workspace in Amarillo. Reagan, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight, very uh, intense and immersive sorts of questions. Uh, Your job is to answer those in as much detail as you'd like. Uh, We'll start with one that you already referenced, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask it. What's your favorite local coffee shop? I'm going to have to say Palace. Number one, uh, I think they've got cool environments and good coffee. I mean, really... Anybody that's going to serve me coffee is my favorite, but the owner's son is at my house frequently, so I'm probably going to have to stick with Palace. And plus, you know their secrets now, how to God, grind I know all appropriately. And, okay. What does this area, Amarillo, I mean, what, what does Amarillo have too much of? Um, well, the easy answer is wind, <laughs> but my, my heartfelt answer would be too much divisiveness, too much division. Um, you know, I didn't live in San Diego long enough to really know, and I haven't ever lived anywhere else, so I don't know what it's like compared to other cities, but I feel like Amarillo is a tale of two communities in, in so many different regards. It can be race, it can be culture, it can be um, new money versus old money, it can be religion, it can be sports. Everybody seems to stick to their own little community, and, and that's natural for people to want to stay where they're comfortable, but I feel like Amarillo is just very divided sometimes and there's a handful of people out there like Brady Clark and Square Mile that try to bridge that gap between communities Um, but I think we've got a ways to go. A lot of people have described Amarillo to me as a larger town with a small town feel or a small town mentality and I I wonder if that divisiveness is maybe a symptom of that 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 we are a, a larger city and so we've got a bunch of different people from a bunch of different perspectives but when somebody has an idea opposite from ours, we know about it, and it's very upfront and in our face. And I wonder if surely Dallas has a lot of divisive people too, but Absolutely. nobody's talking about it because it's it's not a small town. Yeah, and it's from the big issues like race and religion and, and culture, but even down to you know things like the artists and designers in Amarillo sometimes kind of pigeonhole themselves like they work with the same people and they don't really want to collaborate or help other artists or designers um, or come together in social gatherings with them like even in in trivial things like that everybody just kind of has this bubble around them and and they don't want to break out of that sometimes what does amarello not have enough of good design (laughs) Um, from the billboards to commercials to um, print advertising, it just and logos. Oh, there's some terrible logos out there. I think Amarillo is is still lagging behind, and we're getting better. We're getting so much better, and there's this new generation that has grown up with the internet, and and they're able to see the design and, and the feel of places other than Amarillo. And so I think it's gonna get better with time. But 
we still need to work on it a little bit. And just to let listeners in on, on sort of how the industry works, a lot of that is a function of advertising. Let's say you have a business that, that wants to start advertising uh, and say, okay, well, let's get a billboard. And so they'll get a billboard and rely on the billboard company to design mm-hmm. you know, their ad, which is fine, but the billboard company is more interested in the ad sales than the design aspect of it. Right. Whereas other companies might first hire an advertising agency the advertising agency has professional designers, yeah. and then they'll make sure that the ad gets out. And so what happens is you have, you know, whether it's uh, the newspaper or the TV stations or places like that, designing logos or writing ad copies. Yeah, are... doing production. And, and those are not always the best designers they in the city. Not. The best not. designers are... But best designers cost money. And um, with today's technology, like I said, everybody's got a computer and can download a free you know, design program-ish. And so they think, well, this is free. Or, you know, my cousin, he, he can he can draw real good. I'll have him do it. Um, just because, grab some clip art. Right, exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah, internet images. I can just pull something off of Google. Which the, the city learned was not a good idea <laughs> when we had that whole logo fiasco a few years ago. Yeah. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the community? Yeah, I'm really split on this one because, like you said, it, it is... It's a big enough city where somebody can come in with kind of a, an outside idea like a co-working space or a food truck or, you know, and, and eventually we are diverse enough and big enough that we eventually will adopt it if it's a good idea and it's done well. Um, and so it's not like a tiny little town that, you know, that would never fly here. Eventually we, we do get to those new ideas, um, but it's also a small enough town that there's not a ton of competition either. So, you know, when, when somebody does bring a new idea, there's not already 15 of them to compete with. Um, and so there's room for new ideas. And there are people around you that can support you and, and will champion your cause. So it's also split because, yeah, we've got beautiful skies and sunsets and clouds and storm clouds, but it's also very flat and very brown and ugly. So it's beautiful and it's ugly and it's big and it's little and it's just... I don't think it really knows what it is, but it it is home. That's back to it being divisive. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to pick a side, Pack-a-Sack or Toot and Totem. Well, I'm going to have to say Pack-a-Sack because my husband's, number one, it's closer to my house, but number two, my husband's a firefighter, and he's told me several times that when he goes in with his crew on duty or in when he just comes off of a shift and he's in his fire department, that they give him free sodas, and so that saves me money. When was the last time you wore cowboy boots? Never. I don't think I've ever owned a pair of cowboy boots unless my mom or grandparents put me in them when I was too little. Ski boots I wore last season, so there's no snow this season, so that's probably the last time. Ski boots and cowboy boots are not the same. No. I don't think one counts as the other. (laughs) All right, when was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? I took my 11-year-old son there last year on a date night. We went to dinner, and then we bought some spray paint and went out there and spray painted and climbed on them. Did did he think it was cool? He did think it was cool. What 10, 11-year-old boy doesn't think spray painting on cars and climbing on stuff is cool? Had you been out there before that? Yeah, with people that came in from out of town. You know, they, they always know about it. So I think I'd been out there a couple of times, but not on a regular basis. What's your favorite local restaurant? I like Sharky's Burritos. Um, the owners are great. The employees are always nice, and the food's pretty good, too. I think Amarillo is one of the few places where 
people first discover the build your own burrito sort of thing at Sharky's and yeah. then go to Chipotle and they're like, this is not, not as same. good. Yeah. Because we had Sharky's long before we had a Chipotle. Right. And, and even had, eating there outside of Amarillo, I was like, this is not, this is not as good as... We had Donut Stop way before we had Krispy Kreme mm-hmm. and, and that didn't last long either. So yeah, Amarillo is good about supporting local businesses and so I value that. Okay, and uh, that that concludes the eight straight section. I like to close the podcast by asking my guests to endorse something, uh, anything you want related to the city, something that you just want to recommend to people. So what would you endorse about Amarillo? So I'm going to endorse the neighborhood that I live in, which is Olson Park. Uh, We moved there three, three and a half years ago, and what I love about it is that it is an old-fashioned community. Me and some people in the neighborhood, we go caroling door-to-door every year. We, our kids trick-or-treat in that neighborhood. We don't drive somewhere else. Um, there's potluck lunches at the school park. There's Fourth of July parade. It's a little bit of Americana still, and I think sometimes, and I've heard that in some of the newer neighborhoods where everybody's garages are in the rear of their house, that people go in, they pull in their driveway in the back, and they never see their neighbors. They don't talk to their neighbors, and so... I love the community feel that Olson has, and that's kind of what I'm trying to bring to the Union Hall is is a community feel where we're not all isolated, where we get out and we talk to people and we know our neighbors and we know, you know, people in the community. I love the Olson Park community because, as I understand it, it was developed in like 1950s and 60s. Yeah. And so it's, it's, there are definitely a lot of houses that sort of have that mid-century modern oh, yeah. vibe to it. A lot of cool houses. Um, a lot of diversity in the architecture, yeah. and it's not a bunch of cookie-cutter homes. No. It's, a, it's a cool, older community. Yeah, it's a fun place to live. And like I said, I know when my kids go out that the neighborhood in general knows who they are, and, and I watch out for other people's kids because I see them and know them, and they, I hope, do the same for mine, and we get together and have block parties and little slice of what it used to be like, I think. <laughs> Regan, thanks for being on Hey Amarillo. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It was, it was fun. And that concludes the episode. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I want to say thanks to Regan Wilcox, number one, for being my guest. Uh, if you are interested in Union Hall, you can go to unionhalltx.com. It's located uh, off of Georgia over on Donovan Circle, and on January 19th, they're actually doing a ribbon cutting. Uh, so if you're a fan of Giant Scissors, check it out. Thanks again to the good folks at ROI Online for sponsoring the show. You can find out more uh, about Hey Amarillo at Hey Amarillo on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Go to heyamarillo.com. Listen to past episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. That's the easiest way to get stuff delivered directly to your phone. Um, And tell a friend about it. I'm Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.